You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. It's good to be with you all this afternoon. Um, to elaborate a little bit further from Craig's introduction, I'm an area coordinator for RUF. What that means is I make sure Presbyterian pastors have health insurance. And uh, to encourage you further to go ahead and check out, um, I'm going to read about the Pharisee and tax collector, and then we're going to talk about Instagram. So maybe this is not our best day, but let's read the text. Luke 18, this is a parable Jesus told. He also told this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous, and they treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word, and I pray now that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and teach us something new again from maybe something that feels old. Be with us and change us. In your name we pray. Amen. So I have four high school daughters, and we just came back from spring break. And spring break is a very intense week on Instagram for teenage girls, if you're not aware of this. Social media is flooded with displaying where you went, who you went with, and most importantly, how you looked when you went there. And what I love about Instagram is that it's relentlessly honest and obvious about what it means to be a human. I'm convinced that things like social media, they're not so much forming us as they are actually just revealing us to ourselves. And if you don't understand why people use Instagram or, uh, or why young people are obsessed with it, I'll explain it in a second. But I want to suggest this, that maybe the reason you don't understand why they use it and understand them is not because there's something wrong with them, but maybe because you don't understand yourself. And this is what I mean. So Instagram is a photo sharing social media. At its most basic and simple level, I want us to think about what happens right there. What is happening when a high school girl posts a picture on Instagram of herself on spring break? Here's what happens. Stay with me. I can feel some of you already wanting to check out a little bit. Stay here. I have it on good authority that what I'm about to describe is in fact accurate. I live with four high school girls. Here's the first thing you do when you're at Rosemary Beach for spring break or in Aspen is you take tons and tons and tons of pictures. And you try different poses and different angles and you smile some and you do pouty lips and some and you, and you got to figure out until you find the one picture. But you're still just at the beginning of the process because there's filters and there's edits and there's ways that you cover flaws and ways that you hide unsightly things and emphasize other things. And that takes a lot of time and investment as well until you finally have this perfectly manicured picture of yourself, a highly edited best version of you in a place that everyone wants to be. And having finally finished composing the perfect shot with the background and getting the right pose and the right people and edit and cut it and airbrush and filter, you hit post. 
And I want you to think about for a second what posting is, because what you have on Instagram is you have a list of people called followers. And it's not just anyone. It's not just anyone. It's a curated list that you curated of people that you want to see this image of you, friends, family, a lot of people that you maybe don't know, but you want them to see you. But the important thing is it's a curated list by you. It's not a random audience. And when you hit post, the worst thing that can happen is that no one notices you. Because when you hit post, what you want is for people to see you and to respond. For people to see you and have an opinion about your presentation of your best version of yourself. You want an audience of judges, you ask an audience of judges to pass a verdict on your best presentation of yourself. To be found acceptable, to be found desirable, beautiful, the right sort of person. And when they pass that verdict, this is what you get to feel for a second, is you get to feel like you belong. Here's all that happened. Someone posted a a version of themselves, worked on a version of themselves until they crafted the the best possible version of themselves. And then they presented and published their best possible version of themselves to a curated audience of judges and asked for a verdict. We all are always seeking a verdict from a judge or a series of judges that we've presented ourselves to. This isn't social media, this is all of life. This is what I love about Instagram. It's just honest and obvious. We're always presenting ourselves to a judge or series of judges and asking for a verdict. And if you get the desired response, if you pass scrutiny, what do we hope that it, that will do for us on a cycle? This is so second nature, this is happening so often all the time that we forget to remember this is happening. And if we pass scrutiny, if we get the verdict we want, right, on a psychological and a social and a spiritual level, it makes us feel like we're acceptable. It makes us okay with ourselves, like we're desirable, that we're admired, like we belong. Working on a certain version of ourselves, right, get rid of the unsightly and the detestable, accentuate the best version of us in order to present it to an audience in hopes that the audience finds us to be the right sort of person for that place and that time. Accepted, approved, valued, enjoyed, admired, celebrated, you belong. And so what do you get? You get to rest. Every human interaction is about this. The simple choice to speak, we're about to go to lunch together, and when you choose to speak to, the someone, to someone at your table, you know what you're doing? Is you're taking some thoughts that you have and you're presenting them to someone else and asking them to pass a verdict on the thoughts that you have, whether they're funny or insightful or warm. You are in the process of presenting some aspect of who you are to a judge and asking that judge, what do they think of me? This is going on all the time. Every article of clothing, every minute you've spent grooming yourself, is always about presenting ourselves to a judge or a series of judges in hopes that they'll pass a verdict on us and make us feel acceptable. Social anxiety, y'all, is not a sickness. It's just honest people. That's all it is. It's just an honest recognition that to be human is to constantly live before judges hoping that we'll pass scrutiny. And if you're like me and you're one of those people that likes to tell other people I don't, I'm not like that. I'm one of those people that don't care what others think about me. Guess what? 
when you tell someone else, I don't care what people think about me, that means you really care that they think a certain way about you. It's going on all the time. And I love Instagram because it's honest and it's obvious about this reality, a reality that's present in all of our lives, regardless of age or technology, and always has been, because from the very beginning, man was made to live under an admiring and approving gaze. And this anxiety and this hope that we have is our souls and our hearts crying out for what the Bible calls justification. But here's the problem is we're angry and we're exhausted, we're competitive and we're anxious because we're all living in front of so many judges, so many audiences trying to earn so many different favorable verdicts and the verdicts always feel so insecure. Every verdict can be reversed at any moment if you present another version of yourself before your employer, before your friends, before your family, before your church, at any moment you know, we know we can be recriminated. We behave according to one set of values when we're living in front of our industry, our vocation, our employer, right? Acting in a manner that they reward, that passes their scrutiny. Then we go to church, we go to our community, we go among our family and we live according to different norms in front of those sets of judges, hoping to be found worthy in those contexts, hoping for a favorable opinion. One of the things that happens in campus ministry is parents call RUF campus ministers and different campus ministers and say, my child is behaving differently in college than they were at home. At home they acted, they were so well behaved and so composed and now in college they've gone off the rails. You know what they're doing? They're just living in front of a different set of judges that value different behaviors. They're not any different, right? We're all swinging back and forth between insecurity, jealousy, and shame on some days and self-loathing, and then on other days, smugness and arrogance, feeling like one day we're a failure and the next day we're a hero. We're exhausted because we're all in the same roller coaster, trying to prove ourselves to all the different audiences that we present ourselves to. And tomorrow there's more work to do to prove yourself. And we always see the other people ahead of us that we think we need to be more like, and we're really grateful for the people behind us that we feel like we're better than. And none of this is working. It's not working to give us what our souls crave. That's why we're still anxious. It's not working to give us the peace that comes from an irreversible verdict that's placed on us by an audience who will never revisit our sin or our inadequacies or our failures or our insufficiencies, who instead receives and enjoys and accepts and approves and even celebrates us and never put us on trial again. Right? Tomorrow's just another trial. The Pharisee in this parable, he brings his best version of himself to the judge whose verdict can grant peace to our souls, to God, to our Creator, under whose gaze we were made to live. And the Pharisee's life's resume, it's impressive and it is real. He's coming to God with his best self and there's nothing that can make you feel like you have a strong resume than finding people with weak resumes to compare yourself to. Coming to God for the favorable verdict based on our best version of ourselves is actually the seed from which all oppression originates, right? We see the seeds of it in this passage He's so grateful that the tax collector is there. Someone who's a worse version of a human, right? Nothing can make you feel better about yourself than identifying people you can think less of. 
So we come with our resume, edited, filtered, hidden the blemishes, worked on and accentuated our strengths, hoping that he'll be impressed. And the Pharisee comes that way. And he finds no peace with God. And in fact, he finds himself more at odds with other image bearers. Because peace with God, the belonging that gives our souls rest, cannot and it will not be won by working to cultivate your best version of yourself and present it to God in order to be justified. And the more enslaved we are to that way of thinking, the further we are from the peace that Jesus offers. The invitation to belonging, the invitation to the, to the peace that your soul has been after, Christian or not, requires us to do the exact opposite of what we've been doing this whole time, not coming to God with our best selves, but coming to God with our truest selves. Sin and all, the reason that we're constantly working to improve the self that our watching audience sees is because whether or not we're a Christian, we know there's too much about my true self that wouldn't pass scrutiny. We all know it. That's why we're anxious and working all the time and cannot rest. It's because we all know we don't pass scrutiny. The tax collector has given up. He comes at his true self. There's nothing more un-American than giving up and coming as your true self. His ugly, his selfish, materialistic, manipulative, competitive, angry, self-centered, true self. That's the tax collector. Here's how he comes. He comes with empty hands. That's all you have to do to find peace. He comes pleading neither his religious or moral resume, but pleading on the basis of God's character. Have mercy on me. And he is the one who leaves justified with the favorable, irreversible verdict, who passes scrutiny, who finds peace with God. Friends, all you need is empty hands. And you don't understand what that means until that feels crazy to you. Because there's nothing in this world or in our imaginations that actually prepares us for the idea of being justified by grace. For mercy, the irreversible, favorable verdict for the one who has no case to make for themselves. It doesn't make sense. You know you've stumbled upon grace and mercy when it ceases to make sense to you. But friends, Jesus became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is grace. And all you have to do to have the peace of God that you've been craving every minute of your life, all you have to do is stop making a case for yourself. Come empty-handed, pleading mercy. And he gives it in abundance. And he looks on those who come in this manner, and he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant, and you can rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this good news. Even now, it's hard to believe. We value ourselves according to so many different areas where we try to perform, Father God. But you value us because it is your character to love. I pray that would be our rest. In your name we pray. Amen. 
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.